Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Jay Stevens Podcast. This is uh, episode number 120, dedicated to a man who on August 6, 1988, became the 11th Major League Baseball player to record 30 home runs and 30 steals in a single season. Mr. Jose Canseco, and as always, thank you for listening and downloading to the episode of the podcast. On today's episode, I am joined by Mr. Mark Weiser, Georgia beat writer for the Athens Beaten Herald, coming on helping you and I get ready for the upcoming Georgia Bulldogs football season. And for all of you Georgia Bulldogs fans, football fans, or fans of SEC football, we Start talking about the schedule. That's one of the first topics we start talking about because you're always curious how the schedule shake out, what changes will be made, and things like that. Get right into the team. And there's a lot. To, there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to be excited about if you are a fan of the Georgia Bulldogs. Once again, I said it Monday. I said it Wednesday. I'll say it again today. This coming Saturday. I am starting my very own internet sports talk radio show via the Podbean app. You can get that on your Android or your Apple phone, P-O-D-B-E-A-N app. Right, Download that app every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I will be live. There's a call-in feature, so if you want to talk back, You will have that opportunity to do that very thing. So this Saturday, 9 a.m. Eastern, my very first live sports talk radio show every Saturday morning. The Jay Stevens Morning Show will be introduced and will have its first episode, first day, this coming Saturday. Before we get to the conversation that Mark and I had about the Georgia Bulldogs football team, a word from Plutus Sports Analytics. Plutus Sports Analytics is a company based on minimizing the uncertainty in sports betting to help you maximize your profit. New Finland's first sports analytics team provides daily predictions for all major league sports so you can win big. Whether you want to hit MLB picks out of the park or get a slam dunk on your NBA betting tickets, Plutus is a company of choice. Head to PlutusSportsAnalytics.com, use code JSP10 for 10% off their deadly service. Let's go ahead and take a trip to Athens, Georgia to enjoy my fun conversation with Mr. Mark Weiser, Georgia beat writer for the Athens Beaten Herald. Hey, Mark, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Jay, how's it going? Good, good, very good. This year's been different. It's been odd. It's not slowing down. It's not changing, but it has given us time to pick up a different hobby, uh, do something to pass the time, maybe make it reading, hiking, whatever it is to kind of uh, alleviate our minds from how weird this year has been. What have you done? One thing, five things, doesn't matter. What have you done to kind of pass the time during this year? I don't know if it's been a new hobby as much as um, I've taken uh, much more frequent walks in my neighborhood with my wife and kids and my dog, um, you know, multiple times a day, sometimes, you know, first thing in the morning, sometimes late at night or not late at night, but early evening. Um, I don't know, um, started to binge watch uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Uh, not really my choice, but um, on, on uh, was it Amazon? Uh, my wife picked that one. So uh, watched a lot of old uh, games, um, you know, I don't know. Just those kind of things that when you, when you can't go out and about doing uh, what you normally do in life, you, you, you learn to adjust. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Are, are you normally a binge watch kind of guy or is this something that was specific for this time period? No, I, what I should be doing is catching up on my uh, Showtime Billions, which I'm only on like <laughs> season three, I think it is. Okay. So um, I, I watched a few of those. I needed to do more. Okay, nice, nice. I like it. I like it. I've, uh, I've tried to get out and go hiking a little bit. I do hike every now and then. But here in Indiana, where I live, the the state parks, the governor left them open and there was, there was, it was free admission. So it's like, if you want to drive to a state park and you want to get out, you can. And the parks weren't that full at all. A lot of heat, a lot of heat were doing what they were suggested to do, which is stay home. So it's kind of nice to get outside, enjoy nature. And at the same time, be a little active as well. Um, and that trend's probably going to continue the rest of the year into next year. Cause I do like nature and it's kind of weird how, we're so used to being so busy that when, that when we get this time to sit back and relax, we find odd things or things that we didn't expect to do, Mark, to kind of uh, pass the time, keep a smile on our face, and what has been a crazy, crazy year. Yeah, um, I know the parks around here are, you know, are open and, and uh, probably pretty busy, uh, you know, trying to find a spot where it's not too crowded. Uh, um, but, uh, yeah, it's a good time to get, get with nature um, and, uh, you know, until you can start you know, hitting downtowns and, and big festivals and that kind of thing again. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Not sure when that'll be. Hopefully it's uh, sooner rather than later. Before we get to the team that you cover, that you cover on a regular basis, when did you know, when did you have the sense that you wanted to be a sports writer? Well, um, that's a good question. You know, I was in journalism class in high school back. I grew up in Maryland. Um, and I remember <clears throat> one of the, th well, a couple of things, um, you know, regarding sports writing, um, I had the ability to, to go meet with uh, uh, Abe Pullen, who was the owner of the Washington Bullets back then. I don't remember exactly what the connection was, but I, I remember being a young, uh, budding sports writer, and he gave me time. And I remember the NBA championship trophy in his office. They won it in 1977, I think it was, 78 okay. maybe, um, was, was nearby. I went to the University of Maryland. I had a chance to interview a basketball player back then named Ernie Graham. Um, okay. This is when I was in high school. And then my journalism class in high school we took a summer trip to the University of South Carolina which is kind of far from Maryland but I remember you know growing up in Maryland where the stadiums uh, Bird Stadium at, at Maryland was you know 50,000 ish maybe uh, going down to the, to the southeast and, and seeing Williams Bryce Stadium on the horizon and, and you know the, the huge uh, it kind of is larger than life uh, which is pretty much what the stadiums are like all over the SEC uh, but that was my first taste kind of of uh, you know, how big SEC football was. Uh, you know, I just grew up a big sports fan and uh, got into it uh, starting in high school. Nice, nice, nice. I, I like hearing people's stories, people's backstories about how they get into it or when they knew. I interviewed one guy. He lives in Cincinnati. and He lives in Dayton, but he does Cincinnati and Dayton stuff for his podcast, does some play-by-play -play stuff. And he was like, he didn't get into it. I think it was late into high school or it was, I think it may have been college. And he was like, I don't know. It's out of nowhere, this urge to work in sports. It wasn't there before. But now that he's in it, he can't get out. I mean, not that he wants to get out. He loves what he does. But everyone's story is different. And it's interesting that you got to interview that player back then. Was that nerve-wracking? A little bit. Um, <clears throat> it was in a big, uh, like, high-rise uh, dorm, which I went to the University of Maryland. I think I ended up living there. My, I mean, I know, I know which dorm I lived in my freshman year. And it might have been the same place where, where Ernie Graham was living then. Um, it was probably, like, 15 floors high and, and overlooked the stadium. It was close by the stadium. So, um, yeah, it was it was pretty, uh, you know, um, nerve wracking, I, I think, back then. But but, uh, you know, I think he was uh, pretty, pretty nice to the uh, the young kid uh, who came to visit him. <laughs> sure hope so. Sure hope so. You're still you're still talking about it in a good sense. So there's a smile on your face uh, as you're as you're as you're bringing it up. Um, after last season, let's go back to last season with Georgia and then work to this year. After last year, what would you say was 
kind of the temperature or what was kind of the outlook or the reflection, excuse me, what was the reflection of the team or your reflection of the team after the end of last season? You know, pretty much what it is under Kirby Smart, which is if you're not in the college football playoff, I think the expectation now is that, that you know, you need to move some pieces around. You need to, to figure out why you're not living up to, to the goal of, of winning a national championship. And obviously 2017 when they, uh, you know, they, they pretty much uh, had the thing wrapped up uh, or close to it seemingly until the, the second and 26, uh, you know, touchdown uh, pass. Um, you know, things are uh, always looking to what, what we can do, uh, not being comfortable. And uh, the offense was a big question last year for Georgia. You know, uh, people were wondering what would happen, uh, you know, how, how fast uh, would things change? Would, would James Coley switch up the offense or would Kirby Smart switch up the offensive coordinator and the play caller? And James Coley got demoted. Todd Munkin uh, got hired. And James Coley eventually, uh, you know, moved on to Texas A&M. So the offense uh, was the thing to watch this offseason. And there's a lot of anticipation uh, if and when the season gets going, what that's going to look like for Georgia. Absolutely, absolutely. You, you kind of hit it at something I was going to hit uh, right now, which is the schedule. I know the SEC just came out. I think, I believe it's a conference only or it's a conference of 10 plus one or nine plus one. I forget it. I've been doing so many notes for all the power fives. Sometimes they get jumbled up. But what have you been hearing that the schedule will possibly look like? Um, will it be all division? Just play uh, just a round robin style there? Will it be cross matchups? Uh, what will the schedule kind of look like uh, for the upcoming season? Yeah, so they settled on a 10-game uh, all-conference schedule. Um, you know, the ACC went to uh, the one non-conference along with their conference schedule. And so there was a thought that maybe uh, some of these really big uh, rivalries, Georgia-Georgia Tech, Florida-Florida State, Clemson-South Carolina could stay on the schedule, but the SEC didn't match that uh, plan. They're only doing uh, conferences. And so it's actually going to be more SEC West opponents than usual. Usually you have two, which this year would have been Auburn as the uh, annual crossover team and then Alabama. Um, so we're waiting to find out which two other SEC West teams are going to join the schedule, whether it's Arkansas, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, or LSU. Um, they're going to get two of them. Uh, and, um, you know, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, it should be in the next, uh, you know, few days, anticipating what that's going to look like. And, um, you know, how the, they're going to probably reshuffle the schedule. Georgia was supposed to open with Alabama. I mean, that still could be the season opening game, but we'll see how it all plays out. Yeah, I noticed that. I was doing uh, some last-minute notes putting down, and I did see – that well, the website that I was at, it did say it was Georgia, Alabama week one. But I do believe the date for that one on the site that I was on was September 19th. And I believe that the schedule doesn't start, the season doesn't start for the SEC until September 26th, I believe. Yeah. So that would, that would shake things up just a tad. Uh, they could, that would be a great opener, not just for both teams there, but for fans like myself that get to watch a great game of the first game of that conference. I know some conferences may start earlier. I think the Big Ten may start September 26th, which is in the area that I, that I currently live in. But it's really – it's interesting, but it's also exciting because we get to see more SEC football, the best conference, the most competitive conference. Even if you play if you, Arkansas, you have your Vanderbilts. Yeah, they're not the best schools, but if you put them against other conferences, they do put up a very good fight. And I'm kind of excited to see more SEC football and how the SEC beats up on itself and then who actually comes out on top. Yeah, I don't think many uh, fans are, are upset about East Tennessee State and Louisiana Monroe falling off the Georgia <laughs> schedule. Uh, you know, these are the kind of games that, that fans don't want to pay money to see. They want to see more big-time, uh, you know, 
games and give credit to Georgia. They've been uh, ramping up their non-conference schedule. They were going to play Virginia to start the season, which when they scheduled it didn't sound like a great game, but Virginia, uh, you know, played in the ACC championship game last year. Um, you know, Alabama is going to be interesting. Georgia hadn't played in Tuscaloosa since 2007. And obviously with Kirby Smart coming from Alabama and, and uh, you know, the games they've had in the last couple of years with a lot riding on it, it's really become a, a pretty big deal whenever they get together. And Georgia's still chasing Alabama uh, to a large extent. Uh, but, you know, Georgia's going to go there and presumably only have to face uh, 20,000-ish fans in the stands maybe. Or, you know, maybe it's a little bit more than that. Uh, who knows how that's going to play out. But it's not going to be your typical uh, trip to, uh, you know, Tuscaloosa. No, no, no. But a, little, uh, but, but a few fans, for a lot of people, is better than absolutely nothing. We sure. see some sports now with nothing, nothing. Well, a lot of major sports, NBA, NHL, NBA, uh, all the sports. I don't think anybody's really right now outside of NASCAR and then the Indianapolis 500 up here in Indianapolis, the IndyCar, that are going to have a certain amount of fans there. But for the most part, it's going to be 20, 25% maybe-ish fans, your season ticket holders, which it's still, it's going to be, to me, that's better than nothing. The NBA, we're getting, I'm getting more used to uh, watching it with just the people on the screen behind the, behind yeah, the yeah. players. It's a, it's a nice touch. It's a nice added uh, uh, flavor to the game. But, yeah, I, I think – 20, 25%. And I know if they opened it up to more <laughs> with the way the SEC fans are uh, down there in the South, more would actually join. For those, I've never been to an SEC get take that back. I went to a Missouri game, but I told him my buddies that's an Auburn fan. He's like, no, Jay, that's not real SEC. You don't count that at all. For those that have not been down to the heart of the South where SEC country was born and bred, what, how would you describe SEC football? It's, uh, I think I might've used the word earlier. It's pretty much like a, like a festival. It's a, it's a nonstop uh, full day party. Um, you know, Missouri, you're right. Missouri and Kentucky are probably more on the outskirts of, of what an SEC experience is like. Uh, you know, there's nothing like a, a game day in Baton Rouge, uh, you know, Auburn, um, even South Carolina, which, which doesn't have a great football history in terms of uh, going to a lot of bowl games and, and winning championships. They have a really uh, dedicated fan base that, that still shows up. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a different experience, uh, you know, maybe on the NFL level. I don't know if you'd say the Packers or, or something like that uh, has that kind of tailgating outside. Uh, you know, I'm not familiar uh, what exactly the NFL scene looks like outside the stadium. Uh, but, but in the SEC, it's like none other. Um, and, uh, you know, it'll certainly be different. Uh, there's debate whether there'll be any tailgating outside games. Uh, you know, if, if schools are going to sanction, they're going to allow it. They don't want, obviously, uh, you know, mass gatherings, uh, you know, except for maybe the fans that they've invited to actually uh, attend the games or whatever number that turns out to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. You mentioned a party and I know Georgia fans, they were rejoicing. They were excited when Jamie Newman decided to go down to Athens sure. and finish off his college career. Going from Jake Fromm, a lot of people were saying, why did you, why did you choose Jake Fromm over Jacob Eason? Or excuse me, Jacob Eason left and then Justin Fields left and they had their own reasons for leaving and they played well. Um, Washington would for one and then Ohio State for the other. They played well in their new spot. But Jake Fromm has been gone, I believe. Was he a three years or four years? I forget how long three, Fromm was there. Three, three years started, yeah. Okay. From freshman year to his junior year. Okay, okay. Three years starter. He's gone, went to the NFL, and then Jamie Newman comes in. And I, like I mentioned, the, the party aspect, you mentioned it there when describing the game day experience for SEC uh, football teams. I'm sure a lot of fans were excited, somewhat having a, somewhat of a party in their home or their apartment, wherever they are, knowing that we get a different style of quarterback, a guy that can throw the ball and a guy that can move. I do believe he threw for uh, 2,800 yards last year, ran for over 500, six rushing touchdowns, 26 passing touchdowns. So he can do a little bit of it all. And those 500 rushing yards, it was a little, a little over 500. It was 180 rushes. So he's not afraid to throw the rock. He's not afraid to run the ball. And I am sure that, 
Curry Smart's like, yes, we not just have a guy that can throw the ball. We have a guy that can run. And there's going to be some wrinkles with the offense that will make Georgia football a whole lot more exciting to watch. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, Jamie Newman was pretty much the hottest uh, quarterback on the transfer market. And in Georgia, you know, it was a pretty fast transition when, when Jake Fromm, uh, you know, made the announcement to, to go pro that this guy was out there. He wanted to come to Georgia. They needed a starting quarterback. Uh, and he brought him a, a different dimension. Now, Wake Forest has a very unique offense. The way they ran him, uh, you know, kind of would, would take the ball and, and uh, put it in the belly of the running back. And, and he'd run, uh, you know, into the line of scrimmage or just use his physical ability to, to carry the ball. And I'm not sure exactly. We haven't seen, obviously. It's, there has it was no spring practice in Georgia. You know, how is Todd Munkin going to dial it up with Jamie Newman? Uh, you know, will, they, will he be more of a, a drop-back guy and, and scramble? Or, or certainly there'll be design runs. But I wouldn't anticipate the amount of running uh, he did uh, that he'll need to do that just because of the amount of talent around him uh, at the running back position. Uh, Georgia recruited very well uh, this offseason at, at tight end and wide receiver. They have George Pickens coming back. So there's a lot more talent around him in an offensive line that while they took a lot of uh, departures this past season with a couple of first round draft picks that went in the NFL draft on the offensive line at tackle, uh, they still have recruited very well, have some five stars there, uh, you know, ready to step up. And, um, you know, Newman's, uh, he's probably the, the, the clear favorite, but they also brought in JT Daniels uh, as a late May, uh, another transfer who got uh, automatic eligibility ready from the NCAA. So certainly uh, there's a lot of quarterback options for Kirby Smart and, uh, you know, probably uh, won't be, uh, if one of these guys has a, a rough quarter or two, you have a good option uh, on the bench. Yeah, absolutely. It's very interesting how that dynamic is that you just described. If he has a bad quarter or two, and we, we mentioned it earlier, the um, Georgia National Championship game a couple years ago when Jalen Hurts got pulled, Tua came in, and the rest is history, second and 26. And I would not like that way. If, if I'm a coach, it's great to have that aspect there where you have two quarterbacks there that you can trust. But at the same time, you know if you make the wrong call at the wrong time, it could be it could be second and 26, you win the national championship, or it could be you could just get blown out because you pull, the, you pull a guy and it's just a bad move, wrong time. You have to be very, very sensitive about that situation. How do you expect that to go? Do you expect the possible pulling in the regular season or in a conference championship game if one of the two is not playing well? Or do you expect just Jamie Newman to ride this whole thing out the whole season? You know, it's kind of an unknown because Kirby Smart uh, hasn't really had the option. Uh, I'd say the comfort level with, with two guys that have already been starters in a Power 5 program like the two guys we talked about, Newman and Daniels. Now, certainly Justin Fields as a true freshman, uh, you know, he had uh, tons of talent around him, didn't have the, the game reps and, uh, you know, was Kirby Smart and, and uh, the offensive coordinator at the time. Uh, you know, were they, uh, Jim Cheney, were they a little gun shy of, of making the move and, and worrying about what it would do to the locker room? They certainly got Justin Fields into the game, uh, you know, at certain times uh, in certain packages. But uh, in terms of, uh, you know, giving him, uh, you know, the reins of the offense and, and letting him have the full package, not necessarily. So um, I do think that, uh, you know, it will be interesting to see how that plays out. Now, JT Daniels is coming off a, a knee surgery that knocked him out all of last season mm -hmm. after the, the uh, opener. So, you know, it will be interesting to see how he comes back and uh, where he is uh, physically. Um, but I do think that, uh, you know, Kirby would, would be uh, more willing to, to make a move. Last year, Jake Fromm certainly had many, uh, I wouldn't say many, but, but a few games where uh, he just didn't have it. He didn't have, uh, whether it was the elements or whether it was his accuracy. Um, and uh, if he had a quality backup, a proven backup right behind him, uh, you know, there was certainly uh, people ready to see Jake, uh, you know, maybe take a series off. And I think this year you'll, uh, you'll be more apt to, to make that move. Absolutely. Absolutely. The guy that is behind 
that will be behind Jamie Newman. Jameer Wright, he is coming. There's been a – Georgia has had a list of great running backs and really good running backs over the past few years. DeAndre Swift, who just left, and you go back to Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, and Todd Gurley, all guys that were great running backs. I mean, I was going back through the list, and I'm thinking, wow, I think this, this goes back to, like, 2013 as just far as, like, how many really, really, really good or elite running backs they have had down there. Will Zamir Wright be the next one in that line in a list of really good running backs at Georgia? You know, he certainly has the the, the pedigree, the potential, um, and, and showed really good flashes uh, at the end of last season in the Sugar Bowl when, when Swift, uh, you know, was very limited as well as, uh, you know, in the SEC championship game, he had a shoulder injury. Uh, to a certain extent, he might have been wanting to protect his NFL stock and, and not want to, to have a significant injury, but he also was very banged up. Um, White was just as big time, uh, maybe even more so coming out of uh, North Carolina, um, you know, then your Todd Gurley's, your Nick Chubbs, your Sonny Michelle's, uh, but he had a second ACL uh, injury covering a, uh, a punt in uh, practice, or maybe it was a kickoff, I can't remember which one, it was definitely a special teams coverage thing, a non-contact situation um, that knocked him out his entire freshman season, and, and last year, you know, usually they say that uh, the, the year coming back off a knee injury is, is not as productive as the year after, so we're, we're two years removed from that one, and, and uh, certainly, uh, you know, he's not the only one, James Cook is a uh, running back that has the ability to, to line up in the slot, uh, can make plays uh, in the passing game, and, and under this Todd Munkin offense, uh, certainly is, is the kind of player that you would think would be able to thrive in it. And, and they have other guys, Kenny McIntosh, uh, another guy that, that uh, you know, four-star out of Florida. So uh, Zamir is going to be uh, probably the featured back, but, but I think there'll be a lot of, uh, you know, th at Georgia, they definitely spread the wealth, uh, as you saw with Sony and Nick. Uh, I think it'll be the same thing this year. They do. They do. And the guys that are going to be blocking for those two guys, you just talked about White and Cook. You mentioned earlier they had a, they lost a couple guys via the draft and there were some holes in the offensive line. How are they going to fill in those holes to keep the Georgia offensive line at our way and playing at a level that can be elite, that will be elite, to make sure the receivers get the ball when they need to, Newman stays upright, and the running backs can get the yards that they need to get? Well, Jamari Sawyer is probably the uh, the guy to watch on this offensive line. He's he'll be a junior now. It was a five star that came in from the same high school that that Andrew Thomas is from. Uh, right. You know, they played together there. Um, you know, he's probably going to be at one of the tackle spots, maybe left tackle. Um, and uh, you know, NFL potential for this guy as well. Ben Cleveland is, is a guy that's been around now. He's a redshirt senior, a uh, huge, uh, you know, three hundred and forty some pound guy, um, and uh, you know, has been around. Can, can plug him in a guard. And uh, you know, Georgia had uh, Kate Mays last year as, as kind of the, the linchpin uh, guy that can play inside a guard, and uh, he transferred out to Tennessee. Uh, so Cleveland, uh, who missed the Sugar Bowl, he had a, an academic issue. He'll be, uh, you know, one of the more experienced guys in the offensive line. And then Trey Hill at center uh, is another guy with NFL potential. Uh, you know, Georgia seems to, to turn out guys at that position uh, between David Andrews, Lamont, Lamont Galliard, um, and, and now, uh, you know, probably Trey Hill pretty soon as well. And then Broderick Jones came in as he's the next five-star uh, offensive lineman that, that will be able to plug in. He had an off-season injury that, so we'll see how that uh, keeps him out of, of practices, but you know he could be a starter or tackle right away, just like Thomas was uh, back in 2017. That'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. They keep bringing in young talent. They keep producing them and uh, helping them groom and mature at their position. And it's just fun to see guys that do that, guys that come in hot, come in highly touted, four or five star recruits, and then with the coaching staff just able to help them be the best player that they can be. And I'm excited to see the Georgia offense, but then the Georgia defense as well. They had, they bring back a lot of a lot of really good guys. Uh, I can't pronounce this guy's last name, Aziz. He uh, led the team in sacks. You're smiling because um, I was I was watching. I think it was a Georgia Auburn game 
um, before we started recording this. And then Brad Nestler said it with ease, no, no stutter, no nothing. And I looked at it down on my paper. I said, I can't, I'm not even going to try it. Uh, but he led, the, he led the team in sacks. Uh, Richard LeCount, I believe, led the team in interceptions, interceptions and fumble, fumble recoveries. So they have some guys coming back that, are, that, that played well last year, that, that you, you know who they are. And it's kind of going to be, to me, it's, it's possibly going to be, the, once again, the same thing. Um, really good defense. I, I love that Notre Dame game with, all, with how physical that game was. And I am hoping we see that again from the defense this upcoming year. Um, what would you say we can expect from the Georgia defense here in the fall? A lot of what you saw last year, they didn't take too many losses. Um, they have some of their, their stud guys back. Uh, it was Ojolari, as you mentioned. Um, you know, I think he's only a redshirt sophomore, but, but he, uh, he redshirted. Um, you know, back in, in their first Super Bowl season in 18 when they went to back-to-back. And, and uh, you know, he was kind of a guy you heard a lot about and, and was coming off an injury as well. And, and uh, he's definitely a guy, man, one of many that, that can really bring the pressure. LeCount uh, is, is one of uh, many experienced guys that they have back in the secondary. He could have been an NFL guy. And uh, certainly, uh, you know, Manning stuff back there and, and uh, physical presence. And they have a lot of options at cornerback uh, with Tyson Campbell, Eric Stokes, Dominique Stevenson. Um, DJ Daniels, uh, there's just, uh, you know, a lot of these guys you're going to see in NFL uh, camps uh, in the years to come and, and early round uh, or mid-round draft picks, just, just a lot of experienced options. Um, uh, you know, Jordan Davis is a, a big uh, wide body uh, in the middle that, that really uh, can smother uh, guys in the run game. Uh, they didn't lose much, and they're, and they're the top scoring defense coming back, uh, you know, nationally. So, um, you know, the, if the offense can, can just give them a little bit more, it looks uh, very uh, in, impressive what they can bring back on defense, certainly. I, I, agree. I, would, I would agree with that. Who would you say would be a, your X factor with the defense? I'm going to mention uh, N'Kobe Dean, who, uh, you know, came out of Mississippi as, uh, you know, the next big five-star speedy inside linebacker. Um, Roquan Smith drew the comparisons. That was the name you heard about with him uh, just naturally because Smith was such a dominant presence. Um, and maybe also a Nolan Smith, uh, who was the number one guy in the 247 recruiting rankings uh, the year before last. And, and at Georgia, these guys, you know, they're in there with uh, 30 some other guys sharing snaps, even if you have the, you know, the, uh, best all-out recruiting pedigree, uh, they're going to just find kind of a role for you to, to, to take advantage of your skill set and, and a niche for you. And now as they, you know, progress and, and become sophomores, I look for more from those two guys in particular. Good deal. Good deal. This has been fun, Mark. Um, and I'll, I'll try to keep it short this morning. When, when, do you have any lasting comments about either football coming up in the fall, Georgia, something that's not sports-related you would like to add? Um, anything like your last comment um, before we close, wrap this thing up? Yeah, it's just going to be an exciting um, – well, I don't know if exciting is the word. It's going to be a, uh, a mysterious uh, weeks ahead because, you know, we don't know what Georgia and the SEC are anticipating a 10-game schedule. And as we've seen with Florida, or, or my, rather Miami Marlins, the Philadelphia Phillies, the St. Louis Cardinals in, in MLB, uh, you know, you don't know what kind of disruptions the season's going to have. You don't know, um, you know, if the season's even going to get off the ground. Um, so – um, just a lot of uh, uncertainty. A lot of these guys we mentioned are going to have decisions to make if there isn't a season. Are they going to protect their NFL futures? And if, you know, if college uh, football is pushed to the spring, uh, do they want to, you know, get ready for the NFL? Like you're already seeing the guy at Virginia Tech opt out of this season, and you'll see other guys like that as well. Um, you know, it'll be unlike anything we've ever seen uh, in college football this year, because I don't think any of us were around in 1918 when the last pandemic was uh, 
So, uh, you know, I guess buckle up and, and just get ready for, uh, you know, not not the norm and, uh, you know, what you expected college football to be. It'll look different, as you mentioned, uh, whether you'll see fans to show up, uh, you know, plastered on the seats uh, in, in a video graphic uh, to, to fill it up like they're doing in, uh, in MLB or, uh, you know, what it's going to look like. So uh, we'll just have to just kind of just check out uh, day by day, hour by hour to see, see how things are changing. Yeah, day by day, hour by hour, things change so much. It's a very, very, very fluid situation. Mark, thank you so much. Uh, Take your time out of your day this Tuesday morning to come here on the podcast. Uh, Hopefully look to have you here down the road, Um, hoping that we get football here in the fall. I know it's a possibility that we don't have it, but I I really, really hope we get some some type of football here in the fall. All right, Jay, good, good to be with you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Unless something crazy, crazy, crazier happens that has already happened this year, it seems like these conferences, especially the Power Five conferences, will find a way to have football this season. Will fans be there? Some schools say yes as of right now. That could change literally at the drop of a hat. But just like the NBA, the MLB, the NHL, Major League Soccer, the WNBA, They are finding a way that in the midst of uncertain times to have sports right now that is meaningful. And I thoroughly believe, 100% believe, that a lot of these schools will have football. They will have fall sports. They know if there are no fall sports, their their athletic programs may go bye-bye. But as well, you can play. I do believe you can play sports in this time period with or without fans. That does not matter. But I believe you can play during this time. And I do believe we will have sports. So people like you and I, not this isn't for us, but a byproduct of it. If there are sports, there are things that will happen that will make our lives, especially our Saturdays from 12 noon Eastern all the way up until Pac-12 after dark is over. We can get back to watching football all day every Saturday, and man, I can't wait for that to happen. Thank you for listening to another episode of the JCMS Podcast. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at jstevens07 if you're not on Twitter, and you will love to connect with the podcast so your emails to jstevenspod at gmail.com. Remember to always subscribe, rate, and review. It's a great way for people that are searching for new podcasts to listen to to come across this one. Then remember to always get the word out about the podcast via word of mouth. The things that we enjoy in life, we are more willing and somewhat wired to tell other people about. So no, it, so no matter if this was your first episode or if you have been listening since episode one, be sure to people know about the podcast. This has been episode 120 of the JCMS Podcast. I'll see you next time. <laughs>